We're gonna bring y'all into our huddle. You are in. We're settled with me, Bram, and with me, poor usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxine. How's it going? And my boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? Gentlemen, <laughs> I couldn't be more fired up to announce it. Joining us after way too long, a reporter with experience in the NFL, the NC2A, and the NBA, a former collegiate basketball player who earned the role as Golden State's beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who attends every single Warriors practice, press conference, shoot, around, and game, and a guy who is saving New York in his off time as either Miles Morales or Peter Parker right now, Mr. CJ Holmes. What's going on, CJ? What's going on, boys? Thanks for having me. Of course. It is great to see you, man. Um, and we need you, so we are less than 24 hours removed from an opening night loss. And where I want to start this thing is the off-the-court report. Because I was watching the... Uh, the national broadcast, which means I didn't get like the lead up to the game. That Laker game ended kind of late. And so we come in and the first thing I see is that the Warriors held a pseudo reception for KD, but we didn't really get to see any of the highlights. So my first off the port or off the court report question for you is how was that interaction? How, what was the reception for KD? How did the fans interact? How did the players, I mean, anything you got, I'll, I'll eat up here. I mean, based on the applause he received, you would have think that he just left the team last year. But in reality, it's been, what, two and a half years since KD was a warrior? Yeah. Um, but it was a warm reception for KD. Um, even got a standing ovation. They had a nice uh, little tribute video playing for him on the, on, the, uh, you know, on the video board. And it was just good vibes in there. Um, KD had great things to say about his time with the Warriors pregame and postgame. Um, you know. All the players, head coach Steve Kerr, they all had positive things to say about Kevin. You know, it's funny because uh, we were in availability uh, a couple days ago, and, you know, a lot of reporters were asking the questions about, you know, KD's return to Chase Center and things like that. Well, he never played in Chase Center, did he? No, they were talking about that on the telecast yesterday. Yeah, yeah, he never yeah, played I don't in think Chase so. Center. Yeah, I think that's the first time. I think he's mm -hmm. been back, but he hasn't actually been between the lines. Yeah, so um, – and everyone's asking, you know, what does it mean for Katie to come back? And I get the mic. I'm like, you know, as you know, as much as you guys want to honor KD, would the best way to honor him be to send him home back to Phoenix with a loss? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kevon kind of chuckled a little bit. And, you know, he said, you know, that's always the ultimate goal, get the win. Warriors didn't manage to do that last night. Um, but, you know, it isn't like KD beat him alone. You know, it was really just Booker, a lot of, you know, timely playmaking by the Suns. And, you know, say what you want about Klay Thompson's offense against the Suns. He did a pretty good job making life tough for KD in the low post. So that's that. Thank you so much for not using the phrase Josh Akogi. I'm not ready to talk about that. The whole thing just screwed me right up. Um, but instead, Marcus, let me address this next question to you. So CJ pointed out, it sounded like, you know, he had just left us. But I honestly believe that if this had happened the year afterwards, KD would not have gotten the positive reception he got last night. I think it's that two and a half years that kind of let us accept the breakup. And now we're looking back at the good times, you know, as opposed to like that last kind of shitburger year. But what do you think, too? Like, let's let's say last night happens right when he leaves. Are we classy enough to give him a standing O? No. There's it, it, it definitely a benefit of time healing that wound a little bit. And it was. 49% that and 51% the fact that we won another championship without him. So, great call. Um, yeah. you know, like add in those two things and we're just like, oh, thanks for the two championships and, you know, for for joining us for those three years. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think it's, if it would have been the year after and we hadn't won the, our fourth championship, I think it would have been a, a different reception. Well, it's like seeing an ex after you've remarried and you've been really successful, you know? And yeah. like, now you're in that portion, like, oh, I hope it's all working out. You know, whereas <laughs> like before, if you're still in the in-between, at least for me, I wouldn't necessarily be rooting for them as hard. Did you guys see uh, when that fan fell, which by the way, CJ, if you have any, like, I'm not sure what the hell happened there, but for the telecast, they show this, they show what looks to be a fan crumpled on the ground in what like a nasty injury. And then it stops and it shows Kerr get up, start walking. And you think he's going to go walk over to the fan. No, no, no. He walked over to KD and used the moment to like check in with KD, which I thought was incredibly entertaining. But what happened with that woman? Like, do we know how she fell or what the hell that was? I didn't see the collision. I think what might have happened is I think maybe Chris Paul might have like fell out of bounds and like ran into her on the sideline. Um, you know, my head was down on my laptop when, you know, it first happened. I look up and, you know, everyone's quiet. Everyone's like huddling on the sideline. And first I'm like, oh man, Chris is injured already. Then then you know, once my eyes focused a little bit more, I saw Chris, uh, you know, standing out there, out there with his hands on his hips. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then this elderly lady just like merges, <laughs> you know, emerges from like the depths of, of the hardwood, uh, you know, with a, you know, with a napkin or something over her nose and maybe she got bloody nose or something but as she was walking out she says she was you know she indicated that she was fine by like waving her towel the crowd went crazy um but yeah man you gotta be you gotta be careful sitting courtside these days man you never know when you know uh, a chris paul will come flying into you <laughs> I, think, I, think I love that she waved the towel it was like yeah. a movie for like a sports movie move, you know, like when someone's being like wheeled off, yeah, like, oh, like are they in a concussion? Yeah. And then like that last second. And I love the Oracle's reaction too. Like we were all the way in and, uh, and sucked it she up. She milked it too, though. I mean, it wasn't just like one way, but like, I'm okay. Like we nah, cheered. Man, she, was, and she was just like, <laughs> Oh, you want more? <laughs> There's more a, for you. a question down the line for us that asks us about public falls. So I won't, uh, fire off all my takes now, but I will say having had multiple public falls, props to her for just keeping her confidence you know like there, there's a there's a version of that when you are feeling like so embarrassed and you just want to be wheeled the hell off mm -hmm. but she leaned into it you know like oh like she'd wave the towel and and was all fired up okay boys glass half full okay we're gonna look back and there's a real danger here i almost called this segment overreaction theater because we're only one game in you know but for the glass half full cj you'll remember we look back at recent warriors hoop and give us something you like and don't like before we do that, preliminary question for anyone in the field. How much can we learn from one game? Okay, I, I went to lunch with some Warrior fans today. Chicken Little, losing their head. Uh, they're so upset about Wiggins that we can't play defense and all this stuff. And so they're projecting forward from this one game. So fair? You know, how, how many games do you have to watch of a team before you can pull any conclusions on them? You know, it's funny. That's always like a question I ask myself when I'm working on different stories. It's like, how long, you know, how much of this team do I have to watch before I can draw, you know, a solid conclusion about what's going on for me? You know, in terms of like cold streaks, you know, I usually give it like, you know, 10 or so games, you know, talking about things that are happening around like midseason. But with the season this fresh, I don't think we're really going to have a full sense of like what this Warriors team is until we're about 20 games in. Yep. Um, 
and you know Kerr is going to be tinkering and tinkering away through the first uh, few weeks of the season, trying to find out find out which lineups work. I mean, last night Draymond Green was injured, so you know that you know is going to be very impactful in terms of you know rotations and things of that nature. Um, do I get my glass half full? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Glass half full. The Warriors lost by four points to a team who many consider to be a top three seed in the Western Conference, albeit without Bradley Bill last night. But they only lost by four without Draymond Green, and they shot like what thirty three for like thirty five for like one hundred one from the field. I mean, the Warriors aren't going to shoot the ball that uh, that poorly that often. Um, I think Wiggins has proven during his time of Golden State that he's more consistent than what he showed. Um, of course, you know, Clay Thompson's performances are going to be analyzed under a microscope all season long, you know, with this contract extension stuff hanging over his head. But, you know, overall, in spite of all that, you know, the Warriors were just a couple Josh Akogi stops. Josh Akogi and what Eric, Eric Gordon stops down the stretch from winning that game, despite all the issues that they had. Um, and other positives, Chris Paul looked fantastic. Yeah. He looked absolutely fantastic. You know, all the all the talk about, is he going to fit in? Is it going to work out? And granted, we haven't seen how that, what that picture is going to look like with Draymond Green in it. But from what I saw last night, Chris is a perfect fit, and he's doing exactly what the Warriors brought, brought him here to do. I think they had, what, 11 turnovers last night? That is unheard of for the Golden State Warriors. Yep. Um, so yeah, glass half full, man. Um, you know, all the you know, although it wasn't a great shooting performance and you know, they struggled in certain defensive stretches. I liked a lot of what I saw last night, and it's easy to see what they can become, you know, when they put it all together. There's a moment it was on an offensive rebound. I think it was the second units out there, and chaos reigned for a moment. The Warriors got the offensive rebound and everyone was kind of scrambling. CJ was up there, CJ, CP3 was up at the top, slammed the ball, screamed something that you couldn't really hear, but barked orders and everybody got back into control. And it was having an extension of the, it's what do we hear? It's an adult in the room. It's a coach on the floor. It's all the things, it's all the superlatives, but watching it play out was really satisfying. Uh, Maxine, we haven't heard from you. Something you like, something you don't. Well, I'll add on to that a little bit. Um, in addition to that, what, 35 of 101? We're also shooting 10 of 43 from three. Um, credit to Marcus Thompson for calling out. That's only the 10th time that we've shot that poorly in the Steve Kerr era, right? And the last time we did that at home was when Curry was a rookie. So I'm not feeling particularly concerned, especially when we're only losing by four. Also, um, to your original question, uh, when you brought that up, I was reminded of uh, the first KD game when we got blown out by the Spurs on opening night. We went on to win a championship. So, you know, if a loss in opening night is any indication of what's to come, I mean, of course it makes sense. Just like with KD, we're bringing in somebody new like Chris Paul into the rotation. You know, I'm not particularly concerned. Another thing that I really liked was Kerr's trust in Kaminga. Dude had three fouls in the first quarter, and he's still closing out the game. That is not something that we've seen previously with Jonathan Kaminga. It's a testament to... You know, him saying, hey, we, we we want to put our trust in this guy. We told him one of the goals of the uh, coming out of training camp is for him to be crashing the boards, getting those rebounds. Sure enough, he did, right? In like near the end of the game, he gets one, leads to a foul. He misses both the free throws, so it goes, but he got the foul. And then the next one's that tip out to, to Curry that, you know, he drains it, gets us within two. It felt really good to not just see Kerr trust him, but then also see that trust play out. It bodes really well for Kaminga's season. 
the glass half full or sorry, glass half empty answer to that is JK was in there because Wiggins sucked ass. He was minus 22 and could not be on the floor. Now, the fact that he chose JK to come in there, and that doesn't mean just because Wiggins was having a bad game, doesn't mean it's JK gets the promotion. So your point stands, but we at least have to point out the uh, the Wiggins stuff. Yeah, MT, what do you got? Um, a lot of the same stuff. So glass half full for me, the fact that we only lost by four with no Draymond, CP3 looked very good. Um, I'll add two other new points. One, we had a our third quarter dominance was back. We won the third quarter mm -hmm. 40 to 19, which is, you know, always kind of been our staple of us coming out of the locker room and, and putting teams away or getting back into ball games. Um, and I find it a glass half full that Clay didn't shoot well. He's always shot poorly to start a season when he's had a great season. I, I heard so. your voice in my head so many times, Marcus. I really did, because we've had this conversation on this show so many times, and I did. I heard you saying he always shoots fucking poorly to start the season. He does. And so the fact that he didn't, uh, you know, he he shot poorly to me, I think, is a good sign that he's going to be the old clay <laughs> again. And then um, glass half empty, I'll just go with, yes, turnovers were down, but our fouling and rebounding was still exposed. So it's just frustrating to year in and year out say, we need a big man, we need a big man, we need bodies to get there. And then just to watch Nurkic just dominate, you know, and, and well, get so many second chance points and you're just frustrated. I mean, it's a little early to call in on the rookie um, for Trace to come in, but, you know, a lot of people were saying, put him in there, he could have done something. And you have to wonder if, if Steve Kerr's insistence on going small ball, you know, is is still hurting us at times, if he could be a little more flexible, because it's frustrating to watch the fouling and the rebounding. Put a bullet point in there. They need a big man. They need a big man. They need a band. Then they get uh, Corey Joseph, and then we watch uh, Nurkic absolutely destroy us. Um, I'll add a few bullet points, and we'll get to our golden questions here. One thing I liked: I liked that Bradley Beal was dressed as Hunter S. Thompson. I really liked his like sun medallion or whatever the hell that he had going on over there. I was very impressed by that. Um, I, the, CJ hit the main point. You know, if we're looking like the glass half full. 35% missing a huge piece come within there. You know, there, it's, there's some upsides there, but the thing I didn't like, didn't like the pace, you know, now I'll hedge didn't have Draymond and Draymond's impact on the offensive end is often overlooked. He is a facilitator plays a large role. And so when he comes in, this might shift, but last night felt like the Warriors were playing CP three space, not the other way around. And this team's not built that way. Um, and so I'd like to see that change a little bit. And I'm so fucking tired of getting out-rebounded. Look, this is not a, an original take. Um, but it's just frustrating. And if there's something more soul-sucking than offensive rebounds, I don't know what it is. But boys, let's turn to our golden questions. CJ, this is our mailbag. Always deals with the Warriors. Sometimes gets personal. This one does both. I've already telegraphed. It's going to ask us about our public falls, gentlemen. And I will go. I, I, I have a lot of embarrassing public falls, but start thinking on that. Before that question, what three realistic things need to happen this year for the Warriors to win a title? All right, so I like this question, but it's a little vague. So let's define it. Realistic. You know, we could say things like, we need Loon to lead the league in three-point shooting, you know, or Steph to shoot 100% all year. But not realistic. Those aren't going to happen. So what three things would you guys like to see that could happen that would lead to a title? And to give you some time to think, I'll fire off a few here. Number one, 
team rebounding. You know, again, I'm not breaking news, but if they are going to stay in these games, it's going to require an effort from everyone to contributions from the youngsters. I think they can do it. And the thing I liked last night, Moody. So not just JK, but if Moody can contribute and then finally, and this is the hardest one, and it's what made me so pissy about Wiggins, they need a second all-star to emerge. This team, that as, as brilliant as Steph is, him on his own, they will not win a title. And so that's my third. Somebody needs to come out of this field and separate themselves. Um, CJ, what do you think, man? What, what three things should we be focusing on? Feels free to steal from my list if it'll help. Well, I agree with controlling the glass, you know, especially for a team that's perceived as being undersized. You know, that's going to be really big for them. You know, team rebounding on both ends of the court. Um, I don't know. This is obviously isn't within their control, but they need to stay healthy, you know, as much as possible because, you know, there's a lot of very important pieces to this team. If one guy goes out, you know, you, you can say, oh, this team has depth all you want, but, like, you're not going to replace Draymond Green's production. You're not replacing Steph Curry's production. You know what I'm saying? Um, so the, those guys need to remain healthy, and they need to get the most out of their bench. Um, they need to maintain leads in the non-Curry minutes. You know that you know that starting group is going to go out there and get a lead, you know, at some point during game. It's going to be up to that second unit to come in and keep the momentum going. MT? Um, I'm going to go um... – one that CP3 accepts his role off the bench and just becomes a leader of the second unit. I think if if we're gonna truly be a contender, our starting five that led the league last year needs to re um, reestablish that and 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 be that with Draymond and Loon in there. Um, I think we need to be a top ten defensive team and have that kind of in our back pocket so we don't rely on just nuclear staff to always save the day. Um, And then honestly, I think we're at a stage as a team and in the Western conference where we're not head and shoulders above the rest talent wise. So it's going to come down to matchups. So I think Mm. who we match up against in the playoffs, um, assuming we get there will matter because if we can avoid some of the teams that give us trouble and let them, eliminate each other before we get to certain rounds. I think that will help us um, get a little further and deeper into the playoffs. Maxine, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I'll go quick. I'm, you know, what do I know? Especially like CJ's played ball for much longer than I have, but in some senses, I don't know that I'm particularly concerned about this rebounding discrepancy. Obviously, it was a pain in the ass to watch. But again, we only lost by four points last night. We know we're a small team. We heard Draymond in that second quarter talking about like, hey, he's not particularly concerned about this size discrepancy. We've won championships being a small ball team. I say stick to your identity. Stick to what you know makes sense. Be a perimeter team, especially with Chris Paul being able to find Curry in his shooting pocket, you know, rolling off on that off-ball movement, I'm fine with it. So if that's going to be one thing, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be a good rebounding team. We need to do better than we did last night. Um, But I don't think it should necessarily be something that we try to change everything we're doing to make happen. Let Kaminga crash the board, be an athletic dude, which leads to my second point. I think Kerr continuing to trust these young guys, maybe not the rookies, but some of these, you know, but Moody and Kaminga to step into roles that we need them to be in. You know, we need fresh legs throughout the season, especially as our younger or our stars are older. So um, that's my second one. And then last but not least, I agree with Marcus. It's about um, matchup dependent things. And Kerr said this. He's going to let the closing lineup change depending on who's playing well that night and also what matchups make sense. I'm excited about that. You know, I think we're going to see 
hopefully the same starting lineup that we've seen in years past that led the league, all like all that we said. Um, but the closing lineup being inconsistent, I think is something that's going to be hard to for other teams to plan for and is a huge selling point of how deep our team actually is. It's going to be a real life season. Here's what I mean. Um, Kerr, when they were just rolling through everybody, I think it was with Durant, maybe the first season. He said, this isn't real life. You know, and he was talking about the success that they didn't have to worry about matchups. They didn't have to worry about health. They didn't have to worry about shit. They just went out there, dominated, you know, and came back with a championship. But in like the real life NBA, when you don't have, you know, this, this unbelievable roster, all those things you guys are talking about, the matchup that someone emerges that we didn't see, that the youngsters are ready to take this next step, that health maintains, everything has to go exactly perfect in order for them to win a title. That's how it's been before we had a dynasty. So, you know, I think this is, you know, buckle up. It's going to be a rough ride. It doesn't mean we won't get there, but it's not going to be a parade to June. Yeah, it's going to be a fucking dogfight to June, which is fun. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's embrace it. Although I will say another thing I don't like going back to the glass half empty. I forgot the frustration these losses bring out of me. It's game one, CJ. It means nothing, dude. You know, like it really does. They don't have Draymond. At all. And I'm telling myself that I brought over my sister. We talked about watching it all week. We're going to drink these certain drinks and make this meal. First half, fine. By the fourth quarter, I'm sullen. I'm not talking. I'm not grabbing any more of the drinks. She left kind of without saying goodbye because I was being hella pissy. Like it's not, it's not something I'm proud of. Dude. Let's, uh, let's leave it there. Here's our next, and I'm just going to address it only to you, CJ. Is there any update on the clay contract situation? And do you think the in uncertainty is impacting his play? Uh, well, as far as I'm concerned, no updates. You know, a lot of the you know Warriors haven't been too keen to talk about it. Try to talk to Clay about it last night. He wasn't having it. Um, <laughs> um, so I, this reporter doesn't have a lot of updates. Is it affecting his play? I mean, I'm sure it's in the back of his mind, you know, a little bit. But at the end of the day, Clay's a supremely confident player. Yep. Um, these slow starts, as we already established, these slow starts to the season are well-documented. And, you know, if there's anything in this league that's dangerous, it's a Clay Thompson with a chip on his shoulder. Um, like so while I don't think it's effect, well, I don't think it's a, it's affecting his play in the negative way. I do think that it could definitely impact his play in a positive way. And you look at it this way, you know, if he has a good season, either the Warriors pay him what he believes he's worth, or you know, he goes so he gets overpaid by another team somewhere else. So. Give me a sense of your personality type. So let's say you're in contract negotiations. You know how good you are. You have your own sense of what you're valued at, right? And during the negotiations, you realize that your boss, the person you're negotiating with, doesn't value that way. You know, the number you're looking for comes in a lot lower. If that happens, can you ever get the relationship with that boss back? Like, would you be able to move on? Fine, we just can't agree, you know, but I still really like it here. Or... Would because I I wouldn't um, if if I'm in that and I see now that they don't value me the way that I value me. There's gonna be a problem. Uh, it's gonna be real hard to get back on the same page. So for you, you know, what would happen in that scenario? I don't know. I think it just depends. You know, some companies have their hands tied, and you know how much they can un and offer you. I mean, Clay's kind of in the yeah. same situation right now. Yeah, no, that's mean, fair. Yeah, if Warriors had money laying around, and Clay would have been extended over the summer like you know what i'm saying but 
Um, the Warriors are in a financial crunch. They're trying to build the best roster around Stephen Curry to maximize, yep. you know, it, it maximize his prime. And, you know, Clay, Clay, the truth of the matter is Clay's starting to show some slippage in that area. Um, you know, it's the ultimate prove-it season. I think, you know, it's ultimate prove-it season for him. Um, they want to see, you know, how he responds in this situation. You know, they want him to go out there and prove how much he has left in the tank, not just what he says. Right. Um, so, um, so I don't know, but back to like a more like personal, like sense of sense, like it just depends, you know, some companies have their hands tied by how much you can pay, but if I have a sense that I'm being lowballed, yeah. And then that's when the problem starts. No, but you hit the nail on the head with the, if the company comes in and says, we want to give you everything, we just don't have it. If they acknowledge that we do value you the same way that you value you, we just don't have the resources to do it. That's a totally different mm -hmm. conversation. I mean, that, that flips over all the emotional portions of that. Um, Maxime, how would you handle it? Well, it's, it's so true. I think for me, the, the devil is in that detail of like, and I know in the case of the Warriors, like we understand there is a explicit cap and there is a secondary cap, right? Like we know what all of this means, but in a business, typically that's a lot more hidden. And, and what we're talking about, there's always room in the margins. And so it's very hard for me to trust, right? Cause I'm not walking in and necessarily saying, Hey, I think I, I want this number and it's like completely in the stratosphere and I don't deserve it. You know, it's like, I think this is in line. I'm like, I'm coming in with this request yeah. because I believe that you have the money to show for it. Right. And so it goes back to then, like, I don't think you're valuing me properly. And now you're using this as an excuse to say that you don't have the money, but like, I don't believe that. And so then I'm starting to feel doubly offended. <laughs> I like that you found a way to get angry. You get the page out of Bram's book. Nicely done, Maxime. Yeah. I just, I think at the end of the day, it's just um, a lot of fodder to, to, you know have good content to talk about but it's a big nothing like the warriors are going to get the first right of refusal he clay has already said you know this month that he wants to be a career one franchise player he thinks it's really amazing he referenced you know other players who have done it and how much pride he feels in it um so i just you know there's there isn't that money there but you look at it like he averaged more points than jordan Poole last season he led the league in three points you know, like I'm, I didn't, I don't know what the turnovers were, but I'm assuming he had fewer turnovers than Jordan Poole. So um, he definitely fell to the ground less times. So, you know, when you look at all of that and you look at what the contract was that Jordan Poole's kicking in, you probably look at it from Clay's perspective and feel some type of way about it. But at the end of the day, they're going to keep the core together. Myers had an ESPN hit and it, there is, I didn't see the whole interview, but a clip went viral. What he implicated was they're talking about uh, Clay's contract. And he suggests that one of the reasons he's no longer there is that he's developed relationships with the players and he wouldn't have the heart to end it, to have the, you know, to, to have to let some of them go. The big question mark still remains, and that is Clay Thompson. He is extension eligible. He's entering the last year of his deal, the first real test, and right now, no closer to a deal. It feels like we have to turn to you, Bob Myers, who has been in these conversations, in these meetings in the past, an executive for 10 plus years here. What is the path forward for Clay Thompson and Golden State? Well, this is why I left, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, a lot of times people will say it's just business, but this is not a just business situation. Mm. This guy, um, there's going to be a statue of this player outside of Chase Center. He was instrumental in bringing four championships. 
He's beloved um, inside the organization, the fan base. So it's not so simple as it's money and years. This is, this is, this is why it was hard for me. I, you get relationships with these people, especially if you've succeeded with them. And, and that core has been together for 12 years. And that's just so rare now. It just doesn't happen. And so this is a delicate negotiation. From what I know and see, he wants to stay. They want him to stay. Doesn't mean it'll happen. And a lot of people have taken that and run with it to suggest, you know, that maybe one of these guys is leaving and it would be Clay. And these, the way that the contract stuff has been reported, because at first it was, oh, they're close. It's going to happen. He already knows he's going to take less. And now it's negotiations have stopped. Um, and it, that with the Myers thing has got me a little concerned. I mean, we'll, we'll see. There's, there's nothing we can do, but um, I don't know. Where yeah. there's smoke, there's occasionally fire. Same thing for Draymond, though, right? Like, they didn't talk about it. They waited till after the season. They were, he was like, I'm going to field other offers. And he said, I had offers from other teams that paid me more money, but it wasn't enough for me to leave what we have here. And I think that's ultimately where Clay lands as well. I hope you are right. Uh, CJ, quote. Some of the next eight are on the road. Kings, Rockets, Pelicans, Kings, uh, Thunder, Cavs, Pistons, Nuggets, and the Houston and New Orleans games are back-to-back, -back, and Cleveland and Detroit games are also back-to-back. -back. Here's why that question is super important. What they're ultimately going to ask you is, what signs are you looking for during this first road trip to show that the road woes are behind us? You know, Because last year, the road was where all these problems started. So what, what can we look for? Are there little indicators of like okay no they're better on the road this year i mean you know as the warriors start this first road trip you know me personally i just want to see them come out to come out with in these games with energy um there's a lot of games on the road last year they just seemingly came out flat yep. um i want to see them you know get down guard somebody get stops um control the glass you know, these are all very simple things, but these are the simple things that they struggled with away from Chase Center last year, right? Um, you know, offense should it be an issue. Well, I say that after <laughs> on the heels of a 35 and a 100 <laughs> performance, I say that offense shouldn't be an issue. Um, again, I don't think they're going to shoot the ball that poorly at any point again this season. Uh, but, uh, just, just, just the energy. There's just, there was just an absence of certain energy when they played away from Chase Center last year. So I want to see them come out, you know, come out, you know, put their foot on the pedal to start these games and you know carry that momentum through the finish and you know whatever the result is, you live with it. But you know it won't be for a lack of effort. <sighs> I'd like to see none of the magical losses. Like that loss to Utah last year, it was like impossible. Or the loss to Charlotte, you know, like like losses are going to happen, dude. Like I, that, that's fine. But the ones where they had to reach way deep inside to pull the loss out from the jaws of victory, I'd like to see that no longer happen. Um, and it might be as easy as effort. Time to turn to the embarrassing question, boys. So this person wrote in, pointed out that uh, that woman fell, although maybe he was wrong, sounds like from CJ. It was CP3 who fell into her and then asked, quote, what is the worst fall you've ever had in public? So I'll go first to really set the stone here. And I, I, I think like I've got the worst story. I don't think it's fucking close. And I'm cheating a little bit. I got a couple. Neither are straightforward falls. So here's the fast and easy one. Years ago, years ago, went to a game, a warrior game, still in Oakland. 
with my boy Kevin. We bought those beers that are, are 22 ounces, but in like the big souvenir cups, sat down and immediately poured all 22 ounces into my crotch. I mean, just all of it. And for the rest of the game, it looked like I'd pissed my pants and I had multiple people come up and shame me for that. When I was waiting in line for the bathroom, people looked at me like, what the hell are you waiting in line for? Like, you've already pissed your pants. Like, what are you doing? That's like, I mean, maybe number 500. Here's number one, I think. Okay. So wedding, this is about 10 years ago and it's a destination wedding in Palm Springs and they're having the wedding on a large resort. And at some point, I try to make my way back to the room. It was a gigantic mistake. I leave the reception and you know venture out there. And what I don't know is that after I left, they start all the things you do in a wedding, you know, so all the speeches and all of that. So I get lost trying to make my way back to where this reception is being held, see where it is behind these hedges, but can't find my way around the hedges. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to go through the hedges, dude. I'll find it. It is what it is and my foot gets caught in something, I look back and it's a series of string lights and I pull my foot through and it rips all these lights down and then I just keep going because nobody saw me, at least I thought, and go into the reception, okay? Here's where it's embarrassing beyond just me ripping down those goddamn lights. We now go into the building. It turns out while I was gone, the father of the bride begins his speech in front of a giant window, boys, completely uh, dressed by lights. <laughs> lights all around them and during this man's speech as they described it a bigfoot like figure <laughs> wandered through and ripped down all the lights and thank god just because i thought like the possibility you know what i mean like maybe they do before like i get back to the front door and then i wait i gave it like a good like two minute count before i was like oh i came back in i sat back down the table I was at, that's all they talked about. The whole like there's like, oh, did you see Bigfoot? Blah, blah, blah. And like obviously I realized it was me and I played it hella cool. I'm like, I was like, oh, weird. No, I didn't see anything. When we got back to the room, and this is credit to my wife, she, she didn't bring it up then. She was like, that was you, was it? I was like, fuck yeah, it was definitely me. You know, and, and she gave me props for not coming in. She was like, oh, you handled that well, you know, waiting the uh, the extra five minutes is what did it. So there you go, boys. That, those are my most embarrassing public but, fall. Well, hold on a minute. This is this, uh, you're pushing into Marcus territory here. You, you basically <laughs> told a story where you get to be, pretend you're Bigfoot. Nobody knows about it, but your wife, who you can't be embarrassed in front of anyways. Like this is, that's not embarrassing, man. Pretend you're Bigfoot. I ruined this person's fucking wedding, dude. They can't watch the, the wedding video. The, the speech, <laughs> yeah, but nobody knows, knows it's you. the relationship between the father and daughter, but there's no, they're going to watch that speech because the only thing you'll see is the lights being ripped out. All right. I well, also take exception to this being Marcus territory, but please continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the Marcus move. The MM, that's a hundred percent right. Although if it was a Marcus move, I would have said, and then I was the MVP of the wedding. I, you know, I, didn't, <laughs> I so, didn't go that far. So when I, was in, when I was in eighth grade, I think, and I didn't think of this until you started talking about weddings, which reminded me that the, the, the relationship is that we were all in suits. This girl that I had a crush on, and my boy Russ listens to the show. He knows Sammy. So this is, uh, this is Sammy. Uh, I had a huge crush on her. She lived down the street from me. She she invited us over for like an Oscars party. So we're all in, we're all in, you know, I mean, eighth grade, but like, you know, black and white attire. Like I have like my little high, uh, junior high suit on or whatever from Cotillion and, um, you know, like looking sharp. And so of course we, I don't remember exactly what we we're doing. We were playing some game and I was like, oh, I'm going to so impress her. And, and it got to, we were playing tag. Right. And so we like run out in the front yard and like eighth grade me is like, oh, if I just like you know, if, the, if she's it, she'll know I'm super fast and it'll be fucking awesome and she'll think I'm rad. And so I like round a corner and just completely wipe out. 
And so now I'm I'm on the concrete. I have ripped a hole in my slacks, and I definitely did not tag her. So the entire Oscar party is aware that I wasn't able to stay on my feet, um, and I did not end up dating her. Uh, I don't think she ever even looked at me again. Shocking. I think you should be more embarrassed that you were playing tag in eighth grade, but that is a terrible thing <laughs> that happened to you, and I feel bad. <laughs> Damn, now I feel worse. Why did I tell that story? Yeah, fuck you. You told me my story was an upside, dude. So, I mean, I at least had to have one follow-up question. Who wants to who wants to take the bullet next? I'll go real quick. Uh, I'll give you one that was pretty recent. Like, last oh, season. Yes. It was uh, after one of the New Orleans road games. We're flying back to the – you know, I have, like, a 8 a.m. flight back to the Bay. And I got into New Orleans, like, a little later – um, the previous days, I think I was only in there for, there for like 24 hours, and I didn't get to get my beignet from Cafe Dumont. Every time I go to New Orleans, I need my beignets, and I need my pink lemonade, right? So I get to the airport. It's like 6 in the morning. I'm like, all right, there shouldn't be a line there. I saw it was open. I'm like, all right, it shouldn't be a line at the airport Cafe Dumont. Yeah, it's so early. The line, I, get to, I get there. The line is long as hell, right? So I'm waiting in this line. It's getting to the point where I'm like, I'm about to miss my flight. It's like taking so long, but I finally get my beignet. I get my pink lemonade. I'm like sprinting towards like the gate because like I'm pretty sure we're like boarding or almost finished boarding. And I trip and I drop my beignets oh. and my pink lemonade splatters all over the ground. <laughs> this is heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it was, embarrassing. That's sad. It was funny because there was like a custodian nearby. And they took so much pity on me. They're like, don't worry about it. Just go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you look over and be like, actually, I wasn't going to clean it up. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> I'm not to miss this flight, dude. It is what it is. <laughs> nice. Um, I think I've told this story before. So any avid listeners, sorry for the repeat. But um, so it involved, like Maxime, trying to impress a girl. So high school graduation um it happened on our football field and uh, everybody sits in the bleachers there's a little small two foot fence maybe two and a half foot fence that blocks from the bleachers that onto the field um so we graduate i throw my cap in the air i'm feeling good about myself i see a girl in the stands who i had a crush on who graduated the year prior and i'm like this is it this is my moment i'm gonna go talk to her so I go and, um, you know, for basketball, we would run on the track and around the field, um, you know, as part of our cardio. So I was used to seeing that little two foot fence and hopping over it. So I'm in the moment and I'm seeing her and I don't want to break eye contact. So I go to hop over the fence like I normally would, but I've never hopped over that fence with a robe on, like a graduation robe. I've always done it with basketball shorts. So put my hand on top jump over it and the robe gets caught on some part of it and it just makes me do a flip and i don't know how to do a flip i do a flip and land not very gracefully and everybody sees including the girl and is just kind of laughing and i just had to play it off and i never talked to her and her and i never got married like i planned <laughs> my favorite part of that story is when you said eye contact i like that you're like i'm gonna jump this but without breaking eye contact the whole time um, exactly. i'll add one more here uh freshman year by by some miracle of god i hooked up with a ta and i had the biggest crush on her like the biggest crush on earth and it happened right before we had a week break i think uh, it was the break 
right after um, right after winter. But anyway, so I spend this week like, what am I going to, how am I going to get her back in my life? What am I going to do? And I know that we have a class together. And so really what I'm thinking about for a week long is this entrance into this class, you know, and I'm going to see her and I'm going <laughs> to sit next to her, but I'm going to play it hella cool. And like, I mean, you know, all these variations. So now we fast forward, mm -hmm. breaks over and I'm walking into the class. And it's one of those ones in the huge lecture halls, you know, so there's like 500 people. I went to UC Santa Cruz and I'm walking down the steps and I see her, Vanessa was her name. I see her and I'm like, oh, here it is, dude, game time. So I start walking down in my coolest stance, take one step, slip down the stairs and follow my ass right there. Mm -hmm. And to, I don't know, to my credit, detriment, I don't know. I pretended like I did that on purpose and I sat on the stairs the entire fucking time <laughs> for the rest of the class. I took notes from the stairs. It was hella awkward. Like I couldn't really get purchased, you know? It just was what it was. I never said another word to Vanessa. Like that, that, that ended it, you know? That 100% did in fact happen. Um, CJ, pleasure having you back. We missed you. I know we're not alone. For people who need way more CJ Holmes in their life, where do they go? Uh, Y'all can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CJHomes22. And please, 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 retweets, not likes. <laughs> retweets, not likes. Well, you know where to find us. For the uh, love of God. You want to get us <laughs> an email. Let us know we did a good job, bad job. Any job, you can shoot that too. Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. We are on social media sites everywhere. And uh, Vanessa, I'm sorry about that fall. Like, I, I, I meant to handle that so much better. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, see you real soon. Good, good.